call you our Father. Lord, that we're your children. Lord, we're your children because of what you've done for us. Of the price you paid so that we might become your children. Lord, just help us. Lord, just help us to never forget who we are. Lord, no matter what the world might say or no matter what's going on around us, Lord, that we would hear what you say, that we're your child. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for your love for each and every one. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we're just really glad to have Tom and Marilyn Slater with us this morning. Um, I've known Tom probably, well, I don't know, 30 years plus at least. <laughs> Time goes fast. I don't know. But Tom, Tom's been just a really, a really good friend and uh, just always an encouragement to us in the ministry. Tom's from North Olmstead. He the, was a pastor at Christ the King for, for a long time and has retired and now is, is helping a new church plant. So we're just glad to have him with us this morning. Tom. We aren't? Yes, we are. Okay. I have a deep voice and now I'm battling a congestive cough. So this could get real boring if you fall asleep. I'll just try to wake you up a little bit. But I just want to thank Ron and Mary for the friendship we've had for many years. And uh, we went through an era in our church uh, up there, Christ the King in, in North Olmstead, where we transitioned from a Lutheran liturgical type church to uh, what do we really feel God wants to do with worship and what does God want to do with the word being proclaimed for life change so it created a lot of uh, tension a lot of stress because nobody likes to change and uh, the older we get I really finding we really don't like to change you know so it was an interesting journey and I marry uh asked me to title the, the message, and I said, it's a journey for more. My life has been a quest uh, that I, I look back on and I marvel at, because had not the grace of God been there, I would have ruined my life, I would have ruined my marriage, I would have ruined everything. And through God's grace and mercy, he picked up a, a young man that was very wise in the way of the world and very stupid in the way of the Bible. But I was raised in a home where we went back and forth from usually the holiday kind of a thing where you visited the church. And then as a teenager, I realized there were girls there. And so I started going to the Methodist church real near me. And uh, that was really probably a blessed because I'm going to explain to you later why I think that was. And if you look back on your life, I hope you can see the handprint of God. That it isn't explainable any way at all how you've ended up where you are, how you've got the understanding that you have about a personal relationship with Christ. And so does some of us he has to sneak up on because I was trained and thought that because I had done so many bad things, God didn't want to have anything to do with me at all. And so I just sort of cruised along into my business career, and at the age of 30, uh, 
uh, somebody turned on the lights and I, I began to realize I need help. If, if I'm going to take care of my wife and my kids, I'm headed for hell as sure as there is a hell. And I wasn't sure there was, but I'm pretty sure if there was one, I qualified. So uh, we were in a, in a Lutheran church in a home group that Marilyn wanted to go to because they were nice people and she needed nice people around her. And so we went to this group and I sort of tolerated it. But I was a hotshot sales and marketing manager and I knew everything better than anybody else. And even if you were better than me in some area, I'd figure a way to get around you and make it work. And uh, I'll never forget it. It was the most awesome thing. We'd been in this group about eight years, eight months maybe. And uh, they said, we decided a different thing. We're going to have in our Bible study, we're going to have one of the men lead each week in the Bible study. And I thought, oh boy, here we go. And say, when we have a commentary that we're using, and I had never seen a commentary. I had no idea what that did with the Bible or what the Bible did with the commentary. And it was a very Lutheran kind of a commentary. So we would get into discussions about the reality of how much Scripture was true, how much wasn't, and all that stuff. We had really great meetings. But they asked me one day, they said, would you mind doing John chapter 3? And I said, sure, you know. I sell stuff. I can talk about anything. So I had a week to prepare John chapter 3. And I was working with a commentary that didn't quite agree with everything that John chapter 3 said. And I'll never forget when I was reading it. It was about halfway through the week. And I thought, wow, how can I talk about this? This this is some magic. He's talking about changing people's lives. He's making them good out of bad. And how, how could I even talk about that? Because I'm bad, you know. And so I prayed as, as the best I knew. And I asked God to help me. And I'll never forget that little group was in this house that night. And I walked in and they said, in this chapter 3 book of John, how many of you people are born again? And nobody was. Or they didn't think they were, you know. And they were just standing, they looked at me like a deer in the headlights, you know. And I said, I can't teach on this thing. It's driving me crazy, you know, because we're talking about transforming a life from the old to the new, being born again. And I said, would you be willing to pray with me? Because we prayed for each other every week. I said, would you just pray if this is real? And I don't mean to cast dispersion on the Word of God, but I don't understand it. I can't believe it. But I'm willing to be an experiment. Would you pray that I would be born again? And I'll pray that I be born again. And uh, we, uh, we agreed. And as God is my judge, I woke up the next morning. The old was passed away. All things were new. I said, this is a miracle. It's a miracle. So I went to my boss, who was an atheist, (laughs) and I told him I had been born again. And he laughed 
He laughed at me. He said, oh, I've done that. It doesn't work. And I said, well, I, got it. I need it to work. You know, so if you'll tolerate me, I want to see if it'll work. So I went through my work, and we had a meeting again the next Sunday night. I think it was Sunday night. And I told the people, I said, it works. And I said, if you guys haven't been born again, and not that you wouldn't, you're not like me, you're nice people. I was a lousy people. But you can be blessed with just yielding to God. So then this group just said, well, you know, we want to talk tonight because we're going to a faith, faith and hope retreat, faith at work. So I said, what's that? You know, and they said, well, that, we don't know. We've never been to one. So I said, okay. So we go on this retreat, and the very opening night, the people in charge of this big retreat, and there were people from all over Ohio, and he said, uh, how many, do you, does anybody here met anybody that is born again? Because by then it was on Life and uh, Newsweek. They would have people being claimed to be born again was on the front page, you know. It was just weird. There's a wave of this going on. And everybody said, okay. I said, when we get back to our group, tell your leader if you know somebody has been born again. So I didn't say anything, but some of our friends volunteered to tell them that I was born again just last week or two weeks ago. And I made me, he, they called me up in front of all these people. And he said, would you be willing to share what happened to you? And I said, I share, but I don't know what happened to me other than I'm different, you know. So I began to share, and all of a sudden God gave me this idea, I believe, in my mind and my heart. He said, I really feel like I'm on my honeymoon. I, I really feel I've initiated a relationship with Christ that I didn't know was possible. And I said, I'd like you to pray for me because I don't know where I'm going. It's like you're on a honeymoon and You've never been on one before, you know. Back then it was when they had honeymoons after everything else. But it was like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know. So these people prayed. And my life began to make a drastic change for the better. And I left my career. And I uh, went to work for a Christian film producer that produced the film Crossing the Switchblade, which... Any older people who are Christians, that's a Pat Boone star, you know. And they could say, who? <laughs> but we had produced this film to, to show the drug culture could be addressed through love and through power of prayer and that their lives could be transformed. And so I traveled all over the Midwest and everywhere I went, I kept running. And I had only been a Christian less than half a year. And I'd run into people who'd been, they're just dynamite. I mean, they're seeing drug addicts delivered instantly. I mean, it, and I've met them. I've seen them. You know, I can't deny that. Why doesn't it happen all the time? I don't know. But these people prayed their people through and worked with them. And they had a very high success ratio. Then it was about 75% success ratio on drug. Out of that, I learned that there's different kinds of Christian 
everywhere. And they all have a little quirk about them that you can step on their toes if you're not careful because they have this thing that they put. It's a, it's a box. They, they put their Jesus in the box. And he only works the way they think he should work. Now, I think the only way it works is in here. If you are doing anything that's in here, I'm okay with you. you know, but if you try telling me you're going to fly to the moon or something without a plane or jet, I would question your logic. But God does do marvelous things. And the more I was exposed to this, and I would hear these stories of different people as I traveled around in the bookstores I would go to. I had never been in a Christian bookstore. And then I, I'd get swept up in it, and I thought, I'd come home to this home group and bless their hearts. It ended up, everybody got saved or born again. But it was mainly through my weird testimonies, because... The one guy one time broke his leg, and I had just come back from seeing people healed. I actually saw that happen. And so I said, oh, you can be healed, Charlie. He says, oh, yeah, right. You know, you're going to tell me now that God heals like that. You know, my leg's broken. And I said, all we got to do is believe, Charlie, you know. And Charlie said, get out of here. Leave me alone, you know. But I thought, out of that, I was so such a zealot because I was beginning to find out a lot of stuff that people get trained in, they miss the power of God. They learn the word, but they deny the power of God. Now, why doesn't it work all the time? I don't know. But I want to tell you, for 40 years, I've seen it work. I've seen it fail. I've seen it work. And if I have to blame anybody, usually it's me, because I probably did something I shouldn't have done anyhow. But out of that... We, uh, the church grew and grew, and that's how we met Ron and Mary. We had weekends where people would come in from other Lutheran churches, and we would talk about these things that we had. We had all kinds of stuff going on. And it was just a wonderful time to live in. Today, I wish that my kids could have lived the same era that we lived. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. You could, I can't even write a book about all the wonderful things I've seen God do. But the good thing that really lasts is when he touches your heart and he gets your concern for another person on your heart. And you find yourself being willing to go hustle up the van. You know, get, find people who are actually working with the needy and the hungry and the orphans and the, the homeless and support that all that you can and get involved in it as much as you can because God clearly states at the end, if you didn't do this, you didn't do this, hmm, you know, doesn't mean you're going to lose your salvation, but it definitely means that you're missing the heartbeat of God. And the reason I wanted to come today, uh, Ron Ask me, and I've been messing with this thing because uh, years ago I met a man. In fact, he has this book called Wesley Duell. He writes books. Everybody's passed on now. But he writes books on prayer. And wonderful books on prayer. But when I met him, 
excuse me. When I met him, he had just completed this book. And it's called Revival Fire. And it's a history book that covers the move of the Holy Spirit in the churches all around the world. And he writes, it's a great devotional. He writes like one page on when the Spirit of God settled into China in the 1900s. Spread all through little churches, home groups, just boom. It was like a, it was like a virus. It's like a virus. You, it's not man preaching. It's the Holy Spirit doing. But you takes people who are willing to believe that here is more. God wants us to touch the world. I look at the world today and my heart breaks for our teenagers and for our college kids and the kids that are out there working trying to find jobs. and uh, They have no hope. They have no hope. But I just got word. In fact, when I travel, I, after I left that company, I ended up working with another company that did uh, books, uh, Christian books. And I traveled all over. But I met some guys on the West Coast that were involved in the Jesus movement back in the, back in the uh, late 90s, maybe. Thank you. I'm glad I have the historian over here. It was in the 70s of last... Those kids, the riots were going on in the colleges. The riots were spreading. And the rebellion was spreading against Vietnam and all kind of angry young people. And a lot of them were falling into the drug culture. And so they ended up doing LSD and some stuff that would trip them out. And somehow or other, out on the West Coast, it spread up and down the West Coast. And there were thousands and thousands and thousands of kids living on the streets. I met a guy who wrote a book and who actually ministered to those kids. And he would find them in the alleys. I remember going with him on a ride through San Francisco. And we went down this alley and he said, you've heard about hate Asbury? I said, just a little. He said, I lived it. He said, these people were lost. He said, you go up and down the streets and they just lost. And he said all they need was somebody to show that they cared about them other than the people that they probably should have heard that from and, or wouldn't hear it from. They need somebody to come into their life and say, hey, you're special. God has a plan for you. So this guy started little, I call it communities, but they're like little churches where these kids would live and they would train them up and set them free. Now, a lot of you have probably heard of Jack Hayford or Chuck Smith, guys like that. These guys lived it. They, there were very few chief churches that would allow a hippie to come into their church. The kids were dying for something, and they welcomed them and brought them in and started helping writing music with them. They've, they ended up with the contemporary Christian music that actually came out of that. And it's just a wonderful thing, but what took place was that Normal, average-day Christians in church opened the doors and invited the community in. They didn't judge them. They prayed for them. They loved them. They tried to help them. And helped them, they did. But it was just a wonderful, wonderful era. 
It ended up that they were baptizing thousands in the ocean on weekends. It was unbelievable. There's films of it. I'm not saying anything can't be documented. Well, there, one of the pastors has just announced that was involved in that, and he, in fact, he was one of the kids that got off the street. He's going to start teaching and preaching on this and showing films of it to college kids all over the West Coast. And believe me, if they see what he's seen and hear what he's done, that will be a wake-up call for a lot of young people. A wonderful time. A wonderful time. There's things going on right now around this country, but even that around the world, that I was totally, if I hadn't been exposed through the books selling, uh, if I hadn't been exposed through the movie and learned all about these people, I would be in my church sitting here going, this guy is blowing smoke. You know, he, what does he know? All I can tell you is it's real and there's more. When the Holy Spirit descends on a community like a cloud that they can't see, and they humble themselves, and they cry out to God for mercy because they know they've been going totally the opposite way. And I'm familiar with that. I was. But he can instantly bring you out of that and then give you a heart for the other people who can't get out as easy as you did or they're having a hard time. He just opens your heart up for them so that you love the lost. Hunger and see salvation pour out of your church. If this church... My church, other churches, will just open the doors to the Holy Spirit and pray. If you read this book, it usually takes 10 years of prayer. Fervently, fervent, enthusiastic prayer where a group of six will get together and pray for the Holy Spirit to come to their family. Pray for the Holy Spirit to come in fire. You know, the... The fire, purification by God is intense, but you live through it. And you're a much better person for it. You're a much better person. But you have to expose yourself to that. You have to, to want it with all your heart. But more than that, I'm a very selfish person. You have to want it for your, your friends, everybody around you. It doesn't mean you're a nuts or it doesn't mean you've gone off the deep end. God wants a 100% Christian. He wants one that's holy like he's holy. Does that mean that you throw away everything and turn your back on everything and walk away? It may. Or he may use you to reach a culture that only you can reach. And if he does that, you will see the fruit Come, I, this song, the first old song that they sang about the corn growing, you know, and you get the you get the bead, you know, the whole you know how I don't know about corn, but it impressed me because I thought that's it. We've got people sitting in churches that are a kernel, and they could be the full thing. All you have to do is yield to the power that all of us who accepted Christ have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Now, some of us were, I don't say trained, we just didn't know. You, you have to, I get into arguments with people all the time, so if you want to argue with there, I will. But I heard about 
a thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had no clue what that was. I just found out about Jesus. Now they're throwing in this other guy, you know. And so I start going to these full gospel businessmen meetings. And, uh, they'd pray over me, and my wife didn't want anything to do with that. So I, uh, one night I, I, was, I was listening to this teaching on, and it's like actually all it is is a sanctification or a second work of God in your life. I mean, it's just going to zap you good, you know. So I went up to this guy who was an expert on it, I guess, and he talked about all this stuff, but he had been on the road for about I think, a month and a half. And all these people were in there. It's a big room like this. All these people were in there, and he said, okay, you came in here because you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? And they said, yes. You know, everybody, yes. And he said, well, I'm tired. In fact, he said, I'm exhausted. And I don't do it. Jesus does it. So he says, I'm going to pray a prayer for everybody in this room right now. And it's up to you whether it activates the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. And he left. And I'm sitting there going, I can clear over the east side from west side. That's a, a trip on its own in Cleveland. And this guy's just, boom. Yeah. So I sat there and I prayed and some people came around and they prayed. And, and I actually had an experience that I feel was very valid and it worked very wonderfully in my life. But I went home and I thought, what am I going to tell my wife? You know? uh, and thank God she was asleep. You know? So I knelt down by the bed and I started praying <laughs> And I was praying in a, in a new way of prayer that I had never had before. So I was trying to be quiet and everything. And so then the next day I did tell her, and she just said, well, that's okay for you. And so as the year went on, she hungered for whatever I had because she grew up very nice, very good, a nice, wonderful church kid. And she's saying, you've had this dynamic experience where you went from hell to heaven in one prayer. And said, so I, 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 I don't, I've prayed that, and even when I agreed that I'm born again, it's really not changing me that much because I'm sort of a nice person. She didn't say that, I said. So we happened to be over in Toledo on a movie trip, and I had been having these friends of mine from full gospel, pray for my wife for a year. And so we stayed at her friend's house up in Toledo, and uh, nobody said anything. And every, really wonderful people, and they had a great fellowship of people, and she really liked that. And we were getting ready to leave the next day, and uh, I don't know whether you said, isn't anybody going to pray for me? or I don't know what it, how it happened, but it was like, yeah, so it's like hanging a bone in front of a dog. I mean, this people went, yeah. And they prayed for her, and her life changed. Her life, she, her love for God intensified. Her understanding of the Word intensified. And it was just an act on a very good person, which proves to me it can work for good people as well as bad people. But out of that, we then began to hunger and seek for more. And this thing is, it's like a smorgasbord. You know, and when you're hungering and you're thirsting for righteousness, when you just want to please God, thanks for changing me, but 
I really want to honor you as God. You're a greater creator than man will ever understand. And I just want to love you more. And the more you get into this, and the more you put what you learn, and everybody's different, he will light up sections of the word that he never even lit up for me. But you'll be sent in a path. I, that van thing, I hope your people were listening. That woman has 300 and some thousand miles taking care of the needy. Help her. She don't have that money. Help her. We do. Pennies, dollars, whatever. And bless her because she's willing to do what you can't do. And so, as we work our way down through my journey, I've been through a lot. And I've seen a lot, and I've heard a lot, and I've seen a lot of mistakes by myself and men, other men, who try to control what's happening in their sphere of influence. Now, a leader has a responsibility to keep it in order. What I love about this book is he gives you accounts from 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, right up to the end of the 19th century. And they actually will tell you, because you're inviting a supernatural God, someone that we don't understand, through the power of his Holy Spirit, to descend, let's say descend on this neighborhood, we don't know what he's going to do. He may come here a whole different way than he came over there, but your duty is to invite him in and let him have full reign because he'll do something unusual. And it could, it could take a tragedy to turn a community and then he'll appear. And he appears the hearts of the people are struck by that. But it's his ball game, not ours. God said... He wants us to be holy as He is holy. All you have to do is yield to that and say, okay, make me holy, because I sure can. And a lot of people say, well, you're never going to be holy. Well, I'd like to think I'm better off being holy than I was 10 years ago. And it's up to God whether He's happy with what I've done and what I haven't. But I just want to encourage you today how they've run the name of this book, I challenge you with a teachable, honorable heart. You read through this book and tell me that you don't believe that there's more of God. He can do wonderful things in community. Our whole area of Cleveland, our whole area in the, in the what was this, 70s run, come on. The whole area Guys were going from Catholic churches, Episcopal churches, Lutheran churches, Presbyterian churches, Baptist churches, any kind of church that was a church. And they were showing up in little prayer groups, little prayer meetings. Who did that? Man didn't. I know I had a wonderful experience of growing up in an era where, uh, and, uh, and if there's Baptist people here, hear me out. I was abused horribly verbally in book conferences because they had a charismatic book. <coughs> it was terrible. What these men did to me should never happen in a church gathering anywhere. But I learned from that people mean well. 
what, what they believe is their gospel, they believe. But my heart tells you, the way I ended up, I was having trouble forgiving them. And my boss said, forgive them. No. And it's a long story. Some other time I'll tell you about it. But I said, okay. You know, well, I tried to forgive. I couldn't forgive because these guys were really jerks. And I wanted to get even. You know? And my old nature in business was if they hurt you, hurt back and hurt better. And so I had killed that. And God, I thought God had killed it. And they're still working on it. But I thought, boy, you know, why are people with church people so mean? They really can be nasty people. And no wonder people don't want to be a Christian. So to me, I thought, well, you know, I think I'm just going to try to please God. I'm not going to try to please man anymore. I'm not going to try to please anybody anymore. I just want to please him. With that happening, I found myself going back to this old book and rereading it. And I've asked God to use me as a vessel to you. The truth that is in this book can change your life forever. It may not bring revival to this building today, but I guarantee you it will bring revival in you. And when he descends on you and shows, you know, because I think I'm a pretty good guy now, really, in all humility. But the other night I was in prayer and the Lord just lit up something in me, my personality, and, and it was... I know it's wrong, but this was, it's really wrong in his eyes, you know. And I, I actually woke up in the middle of the night with not sweat, but almost having sweat, and I thought, man, i got to deal with this, you know. That's good. There's more. There's more. If we're going to be like his son, what's offending Jesus? What offended him? Nothing. He was hurt. He was abused. He was tortured, but he lovingly forgave every one of them. That's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing. So then he says, be like me. I said, sure. Easy for you to say. You're up there in heaven, you know. You came from heaven, long journey just to help people like me and you. But he laid it all down. And he became a man. And he died for us. And he lives again. And he wants us to live for him, love for him, serve for him. But please, you know, I'm getting up there where I can say, I enjoy not working. But I keep hearing the Lord say, I'm not done with you yet. You've got a long way to go. Please hear him and act and obey. I love you. Uh, thank you for listening. The book, I, this is out of print. You'll probably have to get it through Amazon or something, but it blow you away. I guarantee you'll never be the same. If you have the courage to read it. Hmm? Revival Fire. And it's a typical Christian book, has a weird name. You know, Wesley Duell. Wesley, you can handle, right? Do well. D-U-E-W-E-L. Good man. He was part of the prayer support for Billy Graham. And he studied all these places. And it's, uh, once you find out what books he has, he has this practical prayer book. 
So with that in mind, I would like to just pray a humble prayer for you because I'm sure most of you are much better people than I am. But I want you to hear, God can use me, He can use you. Right where you are. Right where you are. Right with the people that you're so concerned with. Just love on them. Pray for them. Pray for the Holy Spirit to come in fire. Fire will change them. But you have to believe. Okay? So, Father God, we just pray for this church. What a name it has. Oh, that we could live up to that name. Oh, that you would be here when we meet and be here when we serve and be here when we reach out to help others. Be here, Lord, in your Holy Spirit's power. Come and bless this church. Bless everyone that's here. Those that have prayer needs or prayer concerns that they're just about ready to give up on, please hear my prayer, Lord God, and give them hope. Show them signs that you're hearing every prayer and that you love them. Come now, Lord God, and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen? Thank you. I don't, uh, some some quick I need to share. I don't see things very often, but sometimes maybe the Lord shows you some. You can do what you want with it. But, you know, he's talking about revival, and I thought the Lord showed me, you know, we've been watching all these fires out in California, and you know what's blowing those fires is that big wind. And I thought the Lord said, you know, if you start a fire, I'll blow on it. And I think that's kind of what revival is. I think it's when if we're willing to start a fire, wherever we're at, wherever we're at, God will blow on it, and he'll do what he wants. And young people, you know, God can use you in ways you have no idea, if you start a fire, how he might blow. Um, it, it's, it's, it's beyond our comprehension. But I just share that with you. I'd encourage you. Just uh, think about it. Yeah. Uh, Fifteen revivals happened in Asbury College in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. So so don't think that God can't use you. That's our big, I think that's our big mistake. Well, God couldn't use me. Start a fire, do something, let God blow on it. Okay, let's, let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true. Lord, we thank you for all that you want to do, Lord, and and, Lord, help us to just be willing to be a part of that. Lord, we would do our part and allow you to just blow on whatever it is we do and take it where you want it to go. Lord, we just thank you for that. Lord, I pray if anyone has a need for prayer, they come up and let Tom and Marilyn pray with them. They'd be glad to, to share and pray with you. Lord, I just thank you for being with us. Lord, just uh, help us as we go forth, that we might go forth with your power and serve you. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.